We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Press Play, a euphony podcast and powered by Yamaha headphones. I'm Tiana Speedy, your host. Each week, join me, my co-host Andrew Mast, and our Rewind and Reissues expert Steve Bell, alongside an epic lineup of artists and figures from around the industry to dive into all things music. From new releases to pop culture moments turning our heads right now and beyond. This week, alongside looking at some incredible new albums and EPs out this week, as well as some recent singles, Masty Belly and myself also joined forces for this week's Pop Culture Roundup to discuss some news of old music dominating new music in streaming and some of the issues that poses for working artists to battle against that. Plus, we are also joined today by dance pop legends Haiku Hands, who this week are celebrating the release of a limited edition vinyl of their self-titled debut album. So there's a lot of fun ahead today and as always, you can listen along to any of the artists and songs we feature in today's episode. Check out our Press Play mixtape on Spotify to keep in the loop with a bunch of new tunes each week. You can find that on Spotify via our website, euphony.com.au or over at our Instagram at pressplay.pod. Love music, press play. And as always on Press Play, we are kicking off first with albums and EPs. But before we dive into some reviews, back with me, as always on Press Play, is none other than Andrew Mast, my illustrious co-host and head of music for Euphony. Masty, it's great to be chatting again. It's good to be back and with such a big slew of new releases coming up soon. Oh, yes. Well, let's dive into this weekend, specifically the albums and EPs that are releasing this week. So to start us off today, Melbourne alt-rockers Terra are releasing a new EP called Reverie this week. This is an emotively explosive bundle of pop punk full of anthems, angst and catchy as hell moments. Meanwhile, British indie poppers Bastille will unveil their fourth studio album this week with Give Me the Future brought to life during lockdowns and it's set to fuse some luminous and bold pop against some hard-hitting and timely thematics. And also this week, British rockers Black Country New Road are returning with their second full-length album this week titled Ants From Up There. With the single Chaos Space Marine dubbed by the band the best song they have ever written, prepare for some welcome, unexpected stylistic takes on this epic new album. But it is officially review time here. So, Masty, what album are you going to take a bit of a deeper look at first? Well, I'm going to start with Kate LeBon's Pompeii. Uh, this is Welsh musician Kate LeBon's sixth album, and it's glorious. <laughs> Full stop. That's it. I've gone. Retired. Now, over the years, I've dipped in and out of LeBon's discography, liking a song here, streaming an album there. I've also noticed that she's popped up on tracks with other artists uh, that I like, such as Kevin Morby, John Grant, even Courtney Barnett. I guess what I'm saying indirectly is that I've slept on Le Bon while others have been obsessed and singing her praises, but I am well and truly on board here with Pompeii. Le Bon's style is often categorised as Baroque pop, 
whereas Pompeii has been described as more as sonically minimal. It's almost like you are hearing her deconstruct pop in real time, and Le Bon somehow found a beauty in this process. Look, it comes as no surprise to discover Le Bon recorded this in isolation, which we're going to be saying a lot, I think, over the coming months. Um, and she's played most of the instruments here herself. I, I think she's not played the drums or saxophone. Everything else is her. And she's collaborated only with co-producer Samir Kuja. So the title track is a discordant, slow tempo number led by layers of vocals, all seemingly coming at you from different directions. It's at the same time unnerving, like really is unnerving, but just simply stunning as well. And Running Away, uh, one of my favourite tracks on the album, is Peak New Wave with its meandering arrangement, Wayward Sax and Le Bon's very detached vocal. Uh, and look, these are just two examples of the nine tracks here where each track is its own thrilling adventure. Oh, I love that. And I do love there's a bit of chirpy woos happening. I think for me, remembering me was just such a charmer. There's just something really gripping about it, like beneath these kind of frothier sonics as well. And knowing she did write it, battling a lot of personal themes, like to me, it's an ex existential crisis manifested as just, as just a confident bundle of bliss. So it definitely came through and rang through pretty hard for me. <laughs> but taking a deviation, Masty, now for my first one. Um, a big deviation from that. <laughs> Well, anyone who knows me or has listened to this podcast knows that I do have a soft spot for nostalgic bands of my youth. And when I heard that new metal pioneers Corn were returning for their 14th studio album, my little teenage heart beat wildly. And let me tell you, the end result exceeds sentimental bias. I can actually accurately say that you cannot deny the imprint that Corn have had on the metal world. And interestingly, new metal is kind of having a bit of a comeback of late, but with this album, it is called Requiem. It's dropping this week via Loma Vista Recordings. We get a lot of the expected corn trappings. We've got down tunings, anthemic chorus moments. Case in point, the opening track, Forgotten. And across the album, we get the occasional glitch room melodic thrown in amongst occasional doom. There's almost a hint of Alice in Chains at times as well that I noticed on and off throughout the album. And there's only a brush of the scat style throwback vocals from frontman Jonathan Davis on the, la the last track on the album, Worst on Its Way. So we get a little bit of that there. But what was most enjoyable for me was... You know, it's something that may also surprise long-term fans. There's a lot of unwavering vulnerability and unexpected moments of hope that we haven't really seen before. And I do believe a lot of that came out of the fact that for the first time in a 25-year career, they've had something they've never had before, and that is time. So somehow the time the COVID pandemic forced the band to take has matured and extended them. They've emerged more hopeful than ever. Forget what you know about corn. 
Requiem is a pretty exciting adventure. It's it's interesting you should start by mentioning it's a throwback to your youth because I, it's so hard to remember. Back in the late 90s and early 90s, noughties, oughties, whatever you want to call them, same, same. there was a time when metal singles could still actually chart, which is just mm. something you don't see anymore. And, and they had a string of number one albums here in Australia. And I remember at different magazines I worked at, you'd always have to put corn on the cover. They were just so a part of that period. Um, and what's impressive here is they don't rest on their laurels. And I know you're saying there's some of those corn uh, sounds and and um, tropes that you expect to hear here, but uh, musically they really push the boat out. And I I love the opening bars of um, on Forgotten, uh, yes. the, that guitar and percussion riffing, in, in, and it leads into this kind of atmospheric two-in-one song that, that kind of proves they've still got some new tricks up their sleeves. And I, I love the um, the thrust and ebb of the almost melodic my confession like so those things have crept in here and, and for someone like me who's a casual listener to court there's probably some prizes some surprises of, of what you wouldn't expect to hear from a band so deep into their career oh yeah i'm happy to hear it Masty. <laughs> <laughs> what's up next for you let the festivities begin with an exclamation mark <laughs> I, I must point that out this is uh los bichos uh, upcoming album or new album. I, I've got to be upfront. I could not get my hands on this album ahead of release, but I've fallen head over heels in love with the three tracks from it currently available on Bandcamp. This little known band based in the UK have been just starting to get attention in uh, music media, everywhere from anime to the line of best fit. And last week, they managed to get featured in French Vogue. So I think you can see that the uh, momentum starting to build here. But I knew I was destined to enjoy them when I spotted one member wearing a St. Etienne t-shirt in one of their photos, but their music is nothing like that band. Influenced by Latin American Cumbian music, more specifically the psychedelic fused Cumbian sounds that appeared in the 60s, it is just one of the most joyous musical experiences to uh, see in a live situation. I've been lucky to um, see some Cumbian music performed in, in, in America amongst a, a Cumbian appreciative audience, and it's just wild and Los Pichos have somehow captured that energy in their recordings. Pista, Fresh Start, Los Panteras and Good To Go are vibrant instrumentals that are completely irresistible. Think percussive infused surf music and you are part way there. The album is actually produced by Franz Ferdinand's Alex Capranos, which I was not expecting. And I've also uh, been surprisingly told that one member might even be from Melbourne. Ooh, huge scoop, Marcy. <laughs> Love a Melbourne. <laughs> well, a huge scoop except for all her relatives and friends here probably. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Huge scoop for us. And for me, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it was so unexpected when you kind of came into this album for me it was like a bowl of tequila come to life on a dark smoky night on the beach like I mean that in a very positive way I know that sounds a little bit odd but there's a lot of unorthodox moments on this album but just as it progresses with what we've heard like I felt really drawn into their world and I'm really keen to hear what the whole album sits like 
from start to finish. And I don't know if you spot on their website, but they are touring up a storm this year in Europe particularly. So they're going to have a very busy 2022. <laughs> Well, That's good. And, it, and there's lots of merch on their band camp too. To oh, excellent. And some I, fun videos to watch. I like it. I expect to see a shirt in an episode in the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you did mention Melbourne because next up for me is coming via Spunk Records this week. It's the debut record from Melbourne Quartet Partner Look and it's titled oh, By the Book. Such a Melbourne sound. Well, I'm liking the rhyming here, partner look by the book. Like if I say it too many times, I'll probably mess it up. But right out of the gates, this album just effortlessly charms you with jangle and effervescence. It is very little wonder given that partner look actually features members of other affable bands like the Ocean Party, Cool Sounds and more. But by the book's opening track also shares its name with the band. It's titled Partner Look and I, I did really love that one, but then what really sold me was a track that has been out for a little while, but the second track, Rodeo Tragic, just kicks things up a delightful notch even further with an adorable and bouncy ode that the band themselves have gone on to describe as an anthem for the freedom of horses or something like that, direct quote. <laughs> But what we see across this album overall, there's clever whimsy, there's moments of post-punkish instrumentals and just this constant smooth bounce that kind of kicks in around the around the edges and also a well-timed guitar lick or two scattered amongst it as well. But the track Diamonds is just pure effortless indie swagger. You can practically taste the hazy Palm Springs desert on that one. But for a band who started out in 2018 to create a wedding gift for a family friend in Germany, whoever got married that day should be thanked for sparking this band and leading to this album. It is just too easy to like, plain and simple. It's, it's a great origin story, isn't it? And um, as you mentioned, it's, it's a normcore supergroup for Melbourne. Uh, members of, from Cool Sounds, that, that band ended up on quite a few best of 2021 lists. So I think there'll be a lot of interest um, already, you know, because of that, but also because, you know, the Ocean Party connection. Look, I, I, this band, as you said, first appeared in 2018. And I think the track that came out then was Geelong. And there really should be more songs about Victoria's second city, especially with lyrics like, and I quote, close to Melbourne, close to the sea, close to you, close to me. That really sums Aww. up <laughs> really, really sums up the workings of this genre. Um, look, you can hear echoes of the Canaanes and Beat Happening and other bands of that ilk. And as I mentioned before, this is a sound that's always been popular well, since the 80s in inner city pubs of Melbourne, mostly deadpan, um, lo-fi, but at times there are sweet glimmers of polished guitar pop, such as on the track Leroy. And I love that different members tackle the lead vocals and it really helps give the album a, a bit of variety of sound. And look, if you want to be educated, take a look into what the band's name means. It is Yes. It is and then so their press picks make a lot of sense when you do I'm, as well. Isn't it? It's like... <laughs> It's like the penny drops once you once you find out what the band name means and then see the band photos. Yeah, it all fits together. And so I love that there's that fun um, behind all of this as well. Yeah, and um, really, really, really glad you selected this one because I probably would have been months before I'd taken a listen and I'm really glad that, yeah. Hey, well, happy February to you, Marcy. <laughs> um, now it's time for our feature album, Marcy. What have we decided on for our feature album? Do go on. Well, this is, this is one we nearly passed over because I didn't recognise the band name. It's a band called, well, it's a 
a project called Forensics and the album's called Shades and Echoes. Now, Split Ends fans can rejoice with this release. It finds ex-Enses, Tim Finn and Eddie Rayner reunited with former percussionist Noel Crombie and producer Phil Manzanera. And yes, it's the same Phil Manzanera that was in Roxy Music during their peak period. Naturally, this album has its roots firmly planted in Split Ends history, with some songs off this collection being fleshed out from reworked sections of tracks off the Mental Notes and Split Ends albums. It's an idea that was actually sparked by a suggestion from Brian Eno some 40 years ago. And who is going to say no to a Brian Eno idea, even Mm. if it takes four decades to percolate? Uh, And look, you do not need to be a Split Ends completist to appreciate Shades and Echoes. I I grew up surrounded by Ends music and even I didn't recognise the origin songs acknowledged here. That's how far they've they've taken these songs. Um, But I've truly enjoyed this album. At at times it's reminded me of the best polyphonic rock of the 70s with tracks like Shut the Door. Other times there's whimsical 80s indie pop. You can hear that in Abandoned. You can also hear quite clearly that early split end sound, especially on Unlikely Friend, featuring uh, Australia's own Megan Washington. There's even 60s style French pop in in what for me is the album highlight, Premiere Foire. But what I have to really iterate here is what stands out most is Tim Finn's vocals. It's some of the best vocal work of his career. And he's actually acknowledged himself how good his vocals are. And he credits this to recording in COVID isolation and having no one else in the room allowed for an unforced intimacy. I truly hope that this is not a one-off project. It is a stunning listen. Mm, I think what you touched on at the start, like, I, you know, who thought that we would be getting an album like this in 2022, but it is, it has been kicking around since 1976. Like Tim Finn did say it was an idea in his head. Obviously Brian Eno got the seal of approval and, you know, better late than never. I always say with stuff that I love, like the title to me, the second I kind of knew more about what they were doing, like Shades and Echoes is just such a beautiful way to put it. And while you said, obviously you don't have to be a completionist, like I, I'm not, I obviously know split end songs, but I, I'm not familiar with every song in their catalogue, but you actually do get some little Easter eggs for fans who would know stuff. So the track chances are features whispers of Spellbound, obviously from their Mental Notes album. I just think too, it's so serene. Like the second track rules just tugged at my heartstrings, but then they chucked in like this swooning brass as well. And it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be my go-to look, but kind of like what I touched on with partner look, it's just so easy to listen to and so easy to like. And it feels like a collection of individual songs, but they're fused together like this tapestry and woven so cohesively, much like the collaboration that I think Finn and Rainer have had throughout their whole career. So I think it's something you can still approach regardless of your fan stance on split ends. And it just celebrates two extremely talented humans who are clearly just enjoying spreading their creative wings further together. Like you said, let's hope this is the first of many, or at least the start of something that we can see evolve or change down the track. Cause I'm, I'm or I'm 
falling back in love with split ends because of it too. So, and it, and it does, it's it, like you pointed out, it is the sound of people so comfortably working together that you can tell there's there's a past here. It, it is it is an amazing sound that they've mm-hmm. created, and and it really is. Um, you know, if this was an artist, a new artist releasing their debut album, people would be flipping over this, um, and and they should they should be flipping over this. Yeah, absolutely. Flip on, flip on, I say. <laughs> flip on. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, before we move on from albums and EP so far in 2023, it is about that time that we bring in our guest reviewer for today's episode. And our guest reviewer for today's episode of Press Play, it is the incredible Sosafina Fomoli. She's back, a total music industry legend, music writer, content producer, publicist, podcast host. I could go on, but Sosafina, <laughs> welcome back to Press Play and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me back. This is the, yeah, first one back for the year. So I'm excited. First time we've had you for 2022 and you have an absolutely killer album to chat about. So what have you got for us today? Yeah, so we're diving into Animal Collective's new record, Time Skiffs, um, which I think is such a great title for a record, Time Skiffs. Yeah, well, I thought it, I had to Google it to make sure I hadn't written it down wrong when I first saw it because I was like, is that just yeah. my brain? <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, Animal Collective for me, they they kind of represent you know, my heady early 20s. I feel like for a lot of people, they were part of that real sort of kind of psych indie boom of like the 2010s almost. And um, yeah, when I saw that they were releasing a new album, I'm like, this could be really cool to dip back into. Because even back then I thought they were making interesting music that maybe didn't necessarily fit with what was coming out at the time. And I feel like what they've done here is kind of the same. Like it's like they've transplanted themselves um, into 2022 from, you know, maybe 2029 or something. You know what I mean? Yes, I love that actually. Yeah, it, and that's where the song, the album title really comes into play there because it just fits so perfectly stylistically mm. and on a lot of different levels. So, yeah, totally bang on with that one. Yeah, and, you know, it's been a while since we've heard from them. I think it was like 2016 was the last time they uh, released a like a full studio album project. Um, but, again, it doesn't feel like there's there's been much time that's lost too. I feel like they've always been such a meticulous group in the way that they write and the way that they've, like, developed their core sound so hearing this and then what I did earlier was kind of go back and listen to um, painting with and and even like their like their debut like their really early stuff and it all kind of feels like it's part of the same tapestry which is hard to do when you've been around for a hot minute so I'm impressed by it off the the first couple of listens like I'm looking forward to sitting with this over the next month or so and and just letting myself fully immerse in in the sounds. Yeah, isn't that it, the interesting thing with a band like this is too, you do get so many things from repeat listens with it. And I would love to know, like, what are some of the highlights for it? Because I've had mm. a couple of, I've had, a, I've had like probably 2.5 goes at it, to be very honest. But yeah. yeah, I'd love to know, like, what stood out for you personally. Um, for me, there's a couple of tracks. Um, I really like the album, op- sorry, the album opener, Dragon Slayer. I feel like, you know, in, in its title, it's kind of setting itself up like 
we're throwing down the gauntlet. This is going to be a really kind of strong way to open. And I feel like it is, you know, again, it's delightfully warped um, in that really cool animal collective way. But it also, it establishes the the sort of ride the, the Ben is going to go on over the, you know, the rest of the record. It's only nine tracks um, in total, but it, it feels like it's it's super comprehensive and so cohesive. So, yeah, I really dig dra- uh, Dragon Slayer. Um, I'm into Presta John, which was the first single released from the record. Again, it's like, it's intoxicating. It, it, it just um, captures a real sense of kind of wonderment and, and uh, magic from Animal Collective. I love the, the rhythmic arrangements, um, the, the hypnotic elements of that track too. I think it's, I think it's just delightful. Um, and one that I've been going back and forth with even this morning um, is We Go Back. I feel like that reminds me of, like, earlier Animal Collective. I find a little bit of nostalgia in that. And, yeah, it's just a it's a really nice reminder of, of where they've come from and what they can do. Yeah, perfectly put. And I think, for me, I was just pleasantly surprised all around by some of the, like, mellow moments. But it's exciting mm-hmm. to see a new shift. But also, as you said, they are embracing where they've started and what's brought them to this point in time so it is a bit of a yeah like time traveling moment of past present future for them so hit the nail on the head with that one <laughs> I know it's it's just been it's a real it's been a real treat to to go back and um and revisit some really interesting songwriting from from these guys as a result of embracing you know, their new ideas and their new music going forward. I feel like they've always been such an interesting group of songwriters and musicians and um, they really did kind of set a bar back in the day for, you know, indie groups who could actually embrace being a bit more experimental and have that actually cross over into mainstream success. So it'd be really cool to, yeah, again, like I said, sit with this album a bit more and, and just pick up the different little flecks and the little you know, nuances as, as the playbacks go on. It's definitely not an album that you could listen to once and you're like, yeah, I've gotten everything I need to get out of it, you know? Agreed entirely. And I personally might have to check in with you like maybe in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Let's regroup. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I love it. Well, an amazing album. It's such a great way to kick off our Sosafina feature for this week. Hell and yeah. As with all our featured albums and tracks in today's episode, you can grab a listen to the songs in full via the Press Play mixtape on Spotify. Head to our show notes or our Insta at pressplay.pod to learn more. But thank you, Sophina. It is always awesome chatting with you and I can't wait to hear what you've got next time for us. Of course, of course. Can't wait. Cast your mind back to 2020. An incredibly bizarre year for most, but despite the odd surroundings, some good still came through that year. And one key moment in a very dazzling musical chapter came in the form of the debut self-titled album from Electro Maverick's Haiku Hands. 
an album five years in the making and one filled to the brim with bustling pop and dance, Haiku Hands are, as of this week, also finally reaching another huge milestone in that very album's journey. And that is the long-awaited release of a limited edition vinyl. It also boasts a new single as well as all the OG tracks are all on there as well. But there is also a celebratory tour on the cards to celebrate this vinyl. But before it releases into the world this week, I was joined by the entire band to chat about a very exciting week in the Haiku Hands world. And I am joined now by all three members of Haiku Hands. They are here with us today on Press Play to chat about some very exciting news for this week. We are talking the limited edition vinyl release of their incredible self-titled album. And the album, of course, released back in 2020, still very early days of this pandemic, but it is such a stunning release nonetheless. And here we are finally able to have this album brought to life in vinyl form, even amongst a global vinyl shortage, which we have touched on in Press Play previously as well. But tell me, Haiku Hands, how does it feel to finally have this snazzy vinyl rounding out this album adventure it's the best feeling ever I know me I personally yeah have grown up loving vinyl and holding it and yeah playing it and just always feel like it's like it's like a piece of art I think that when you have vinyl it feels like yeah you have the beautiful image you have yeah the vinyl I mean I just I love the sound of vinyl yeah, it's a dream actually. It's like a childhood dream coming true. <laughs> I don't know if that's too dorky, but what I is love it? it. <laughs> yeah, it feels like um, like the project's complete, like the album's complete now that we have it in vinyl and legit. And <laughs> I don't know. It's just really satisfying. I think satisfying's a good feeling. The main mm. feeling of. Mm. And it feels like more timeless in a way. Like I imagine someone like finding it on a shelf in 20 years and being like, what the hell's this? And putting it on and <laughs> like discovering our album and music tan- in a tangible way. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine DJ Shadow um, in the future, future DJ Shadow record collecting and, and sampling us. That would be amazing if that happened. I want this to happen instantly. Please let's teleport 20 years in the future so we can witness this immediately. (laughs) Amazing. And obviously the vinyl will also boast the other new single you guys have had in between the release originally with Conclusions as well as the much-loved tracks from the OG album, of course. And to celebrate, we also have live shows as well to come with the aptly titled We Got Vinyl. So can you give us a little reveal into what we can expect from a 2022 Haiku Hands live show? Well, we've just been talking, we've just had our first shows back this year, which have been really, really good and it's made us really excited to um, get a new show happening. So we've been doing a little bit of Corey together last week and, um, yeah, we're, like, exploring, like, just want to get a bit weirder than we've been. It's like we want to mix up the show to make it exciting for ourselves and, yeah, want everyone to be there as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else? Costumes. We've been working heaps on um, 
yeah, what the stage is going to look like, um, what the, yeah, outfits are going to be, costume changes, lighting. Yeah, but like Mia said, making it like, yeah, making a whole new, not a whole new show, but a, definitely a new show. Mm. Yeah, it's really exciting actually. Yeah. I think I, for me personally, I feel like I have like two years of like pent-up performance energy as well, so that's going to be nice to be on stage again. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm just excited to see audiences again dancing and being together and have that feeling of like mm, togetherness and enjoying something as a group that um, I've missed um, due, due to all the lockdowns and laws and stuff. So I think that's what I'm most excited about, the feeling of community and, um, yeah, even just all being crammed into a backstage room with heaps of people and bumping into each other and, and like, it's those simple things that you miss, just like, oh, we're all here together, isn't it fun? Like, like those kind of, that's what I'm excited about for the tour. And, yeah, and also just having a new show, I think that will bring new energy for us as well. Mm. <clears throat> Yeah, who knew that we'd all miss like being squashed in a room and having people spill drinks on you and all the noise, but I miss it so much. <laughs> it's amazing. And I think what's great is it's going to be so exciting for you guys and fans as well because like obviously the lack of performance is so devastating and the lack of seeing the performance is equally devastating. So just a beautiful moment for all the fans to come together and celebrate so many amazing mm. things that we've missed. So I know with the album, there are obviously so many amazing moments on the album. After a couple of years, what I really love is that it's still really fresh and it's such an exciting album. It's literally impossible to sit still while you listen to it. But you've also had some amazing industry acclaim come with it as well. But for you guys personally, is there, if I'm going to make you pick a favourite, you can pick a few if you want, but is there one key song on the album that holds a particularly special place in your hearts after all this time or something that still just resonates with you and one you maybe are just so excited to play live? Christy, who works at um, Spinning Top, our label in Australia, just sent me through the track listing for the um, for the um, deluxe edition that's going to come out on um, yeah, coming out coming out soon. And um, when I was just looking through there, there's like 16 tracks on that deluxe edition that's going on Spotify, and um, I'm not answering your question directly, but I was just thinking when I was reading, like, because there's a bunch of other kind of like alternate versions which are coming out. And because when we were writing, we wrote over, you know, three or four years when we were touring a lot. And there's quite a few different versions of tracks. And um, I don't know, it was just writing that album was such a big process and looking at those 16 tracks on the deluxe edition that kind of feel like the full, I don't know, it feels like the full opus, musical opus of that time. But I, when I was looking at all of them, it felt really, my heart, I was just like, oh, that just feels really nice and full. And, yeah, like Claire said, with the vinyl, like kind of complete. Oh, I was going to agree. It's definitely like a time, it symbolises a time of exploration and learning and it's, it is nice to have that complete chapter. <clears throat> and then COVID started and that's a new chapter. <laughs> um, in terms of like, one song the first one that comes to mind for me is car crash because like it was inspired by a, a close friend um a close friendship that's like i guess it feels intimate to me um and also i was singing on that one which was put me in a vulnerable situation because <laughs> at the time i like was not a singer as much although 
in terms of playing that live, I'm a bit nervous about playing that one live. But, um, yeah, probably Car Crash and then Conclusions as well, like Explores, like a another fun different sound, which I'm, I think that's kind of because that's one of the newer ones out. I'm, I'm, it's still fr- fresh to me, Conclusions, so mm. I'm like still more g by it. Haven't been performing it to like three years already, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you just reminded me that the conclusions is on the record. On the vinyl, so, yeah. On the vinyl, yeah. So which wasn't released as the main release. So that's exciting to have it on there. You can join Haiku Hands celebrating their shiny new vinyl for their debut self-titled album, Haiku Hands, of course, is its name. And definitely be sure to catch this incredible group live in action celebrating said vinyl with their tour. It's hitting up Victoria, New South Wales, the ACT, Queensland and South Australia starting in February. For more info, head to today's episode show notes or visit our Instagram at pressplay.pod. Well, last week for our music-centric pop culture moments, I took a little look at what some media outlets have been predicting as trends for how music is likely to be discovered and consumed in 2022. But since that episode has released, we've also seen some additional stats filtering through regarding not just where people are listening to music and or discovering music, but significantly what is taking the lion's share of what people are listening to. And a recent article published in The Atlantic, which is an American magazine and multi-platform publication, just last week, the headline was, Is Old Music Killing New Music? So that pretty much sums up what it's about. But it had recent numbers in there from the MRC MRC data, I should say, a music analytics firm, revealing that old songs claimed nearly 70% of the US market and that 200 of the most popular new music tracks right now regularly account for less than 5% of total streams. To put that in perspective, and keeping in mind this is an American study, but that 5% was twice as high three years ago, but the current list of most downloaded songs on iTunes is currently lined with bands like Credence Clearwater Revival and The Police, and catalogues for artists like Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen and David Bowie remain hotly in demand. I mean, granted, those artists are undeniably amazing. I myself have a soft spot for them. But what are we actually seeing here in Australia? And what exactly are the implications with this data for the new music market? And for anyone who is looking to or is fortunate enough to already be a working musician. But I actually may be able to have a little bit more insight in this because I am now joined by Andrew Masters back. And of course, we are now also joined by our Rewind and Reissues guru, Steve Bell, coming in with me outside of their usual segments. Masty and Belly, some big stats and concepts here, but Belly, I might throw to you first. As a record store owner, you may have been seeing some of this unfold. What's your take on all of this? Look, I can't speak about playlists and streaming and stuff like that, but in terms of vinyl, there's always been 
a huge market for the old music. People have always, you know, loved secondhand. There's been a lot of reissues of late. Um, you know, the major labels have realised that, you know, the vinyl resurgence is real. It sort of reminds me of when CDs came in and when that was the dominant paradigm, everyone started reissuing everything on CD and people were rebuying stuff they already had to have their favourite albums in in their new format. That's happening on vinyl, no doubt, but it seems a really tenuous link to me to then say that this is impacting new music. I'm not seeing it. I, I still see just as many great new bands, just as many great new records. Independent labels are, are thriving. Um, they don't really tend to focus on reissues very often. It's all just new music. So, yeah, look, at it, it seems a very mainstream perspective and one that I'm not really seeing play out in Australia or in the shops at any rate. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing when I looked at it and I think, I mean, I don't know if I've had the luxury of just being someone who or goes looking for music, but everything, there's a lot of throwback veteran songs happening on TikTok and all of that, but there's so much new music constantly that even I haven't heard and is out there. So throwing over to you, Masty, what do you take on this? Uh, look, I've got to agree uh, with Belly on this one. I've, I'm old enough to have lived through like a 50s music revival in the 70s. There was a 60s music revival in the 80s. There was a 70s music revival in the 90s. We're seeing now uh, there's already what they're calling an indie sleaze revival um, for the noughties at the moment. So we get this, we get these revivals. They do have them, but they always bring it. I mean, look what the 70s gave us. They gave us punk, glam, disco, you know, in the 90s when everyone was listening to 70s. We got grunge, we got uh, hip hop exploding, um, you know, so you get all that from uh, as, along with the nostalgic music. But I also think this research take just forgets to take account for what's happened in the last two years. There was this thing called a pandemic and I think people got extra nostalgia and I think the figures might change again in another two years when we get out of this. I know people that went on complete nostalgia kicks at either the start of the first lockdown or the second lockdown. Um, people found it comforting. So I wouldn't surprise me if that's what streaming figures show. I think it's a real reflection of the nostalgia kick that happened during the pandemic. Um, yeah, and, and and I think, you know, let's not get alarmist about this <laughs> until we come back and check what these figures are like in another two years. Well, and interestingly that you say two years because I looked at their phrasing and how they classed what they're classing as new music and they're literally putting it in the last two years. So I don't know, like I feel like it's, a, and I don't even know if that's even, it may have even condensed it further. So I feel like, you know, you look at a song like Heat Waves from Glass Animals that is absolutely still going strong. That was released in 2020. Like that wasn't that long ago realistically. And people are like, oh, it's not new, but it still hasn't had a chance to actually get toured properly. Like there's so much at play. So I think the that's pandemic right. thing yes. is really right as well. I, I just, b before this, uh, I think Belly and I might have agreed that some of the signposts in this uh, this article are a bit out of touch for Australia as well, like the Grammys ratings going down. That's just America catching up with what the rest of the world knew. The Grammys have been out of step for decades. And iTunes, uh, is it's not a young demographic, so it's probably not a good sign for what's being downloaded there. That's one of the signposts they use in the article. Another one was, um, yeah, current artists are under threat from the advent of holograms and deep fake music, which is just incredible stretch, isn't it? Like holograms are awesome for a start, but it's hardly <laughs> like threatening new bands. Or 
And, and just a quick one, I took a dive into the most listened to tracks on radio last year. And even though the numbers are down for radio, remember we have a national youth broadcaster. America does not have that where this article is based. The Hottest 100, the country almost stops for this like they used to for the Melbourne Cup. But the most played songs on radio last year in Australia were, were relatively new songs. And the oldest track I could find was um, Africa by Toto. And it was like number 99 on the top 100. Elsewhere you had um, lots of Aussies fans, Joy Kid, Leroy, Tones and I, Joel and Petch, very commercial. But these are all new artists that made the top 100 most played um, songs of the year ahead of like all the golden oldies. Mm, I think a good take home here is you definitely shouldn't always believe what you read at face value, which is something I constantly tell my mother when she's watching the news. God God bless her. But I think obviously there's no clear cut answer. I think we're going to see different things happen this year as well as we start to claw our way out of, you know, part three of this pandemic. But I guess for anyone out there, we would always love to hear what you listen to and how you discover new music. So feel free to drop on into our Instagram at pressplay.pod. Let us know what you're listening to. Is it David Bowie or is it some of the newbies that Marcy and I will help you discover? But either way, Belly shouldn't go too far because rewind and issue reissues will be coming up very, very soon. All right, I'll speak to you soon. This summer, catch up on Rewind with Steve Bell, the podcast that reveals how your favourite music is created from the people who created it. Hear oral histories of classic recordings by Silverchair, The Avalanches, Regurgitator, Something for Kate, The Triffids, Daryl Braithwaite, Paul Kelly, and more. And just out now, Steve Bell sits down with Archie Roach to explore the recording of his milestone album, Charcoal Lane. Listen to Rewind with Steve Bell on euphony.com.au or your favourite streaming platform. Rewind your summer. Right now on Press Play, it is time once again to take a trip down musical memory lane and also look at some amazing reissues kicking around. And Steve Bell, host of the Rewind with Steve Bell podcast and co-owner of Sonic Sherpa Records, is back for a second time on Press Play. Belly, what a treat twice in one episode this week. It's wonderful. Everyone's a winner. Yes. Well, let's start off with musical anniversaries. What have we got this week? Well, on the 4th of February, 1997, 25 years ago, Silverchair released their second album, Freak Show. Um, it was a huge moment back then. You know, they were still they were 17-year-old veterans following up from the massive success of Frog Stomp, which had sort of taken over Australia on its release in 95. Um, they'd already released the first single, Freak. And that had already gone to number one, so it was building, and it came out, and it it did it. it, it they smashed it, you know, like they had a lot of pressure, a lot of scrutiny. They were so young, they're still at school and trying to navigate, you know, the rock star success and everything. And, and they did a great job. It went to number one here, number 12 in the States, 38 in the UK. It was never their biggest market. But um, yeah, they came out. There was a lot of buzz and a lot of vibe about that 25 years ago. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I still get a little bit secretly excited anytime I hear Freak come on, just that little opening. I'm like, you're. you're... Kane. <laughs> <laughs> and just another one quickly. Um, 
20 years ago today in 2002, you too played the Super Bowl halftime show. It's in New Orleans. It's just, it's one of the most famous or highly regarded ones. It was a tribute to the people who um, lost their lives in the 9-11 tragedy a few months earlier. So there's a lot of sort of uh, issues, you know, beyond just music or sport, you know, playing factors into this. But, yeah, they just played a few songs, but it's a real poignant pop culture moment, um, yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I still remember that actually happening. I'm, or I only watched the Super Bowl for the halftime show. I'm clearly very sports sports oriented, but I do still remember that one. It does stick out so much. So huge. What a big week. But before I let you run away, what reissues have you got for us this week? I know we've had a pretty solid start to the year so far, so I'm keen to see what's going on this week. Well, today's all about Prince. Um, this is the day that people, Prince fans, have been looking forward to for a long time because it's the rollout of the the Legacy reissue series. Um, his estate's teamed up with Sony and they're reissuing 12 albums today that come out. Uh, his sort of 70s and 80s output, early 90s too, all the ones except for the the soundtracks, which are still contractually tried uh, tied to Warner. So we're talking, you know, everything from 1999 through Love Sexy, Controversy, Sign of the Times, Dirty Mind, For You, Around the World in a Day. Um, look, I don't know how quickly they're going to get to Australia. Today is just the, the global rollout day. But I know that, yeah, there's a lot of Prince fans out there, very exciting, excited to get their hands on these new vinyl or CD reissues. Yes. Oh, my God. Imagine the collection if you got them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much music left in the vault, apparently, but it's just great that his actual, you know, lifetime catalogs being so beautifully curated. Uh, another little batch of uh, reissues coming out versus um, uh, from Australian, I don't know what you call dog trumpet. They're a mental as anything offshoot with the uh, brothers Reg Bombasser and Pete Doherty, sort of psych pop, really idiosyncratic. I, I didn't realise they'd put out seven albums. Um, they formed in 90 and they've been going through ever since. I guess it's always, you know, mental as anything always took prominence, but, they put out their first three albums last year and they're doing the final four come out today on Coloured Vinyl. So there's no doubt a lot of fans out there, a lot of love for those guys. People mm. will be excited about that. Uh, one other one, there's the Mad Max Fury Road original soundtrack. It's just got a music on vinyl double LP re-release. Uh, that's all that, the beautiful score by Junkie uh, XL. And there's a couple of old classics, Miles Davis, Round Midnight, Ella Fitzgerald uh, sings the Cole Porter songbook. Oh, yeah, it's a big spectrum of reissues. We're still easing into the year. It's a bit quieter this time than it'll build to. But, yeah, there's always some stuff out there. Still pretty sturdy. And, I do again, I always love the contrast we get with all of these. It's just amazing how, you know, there's something for everyone each week. It's brilliant. But I can't wait to hear what will happen next week. And it is no secret for everyone listening that Bailey is a font of musical knowledge. Anyone who's caught his acclaimed podcast for everyone with Steve Bell will attest to that. And you can catch the latest series. There are two series out at the moment. One celebrating Paul Kelly's track, How to Make Gravy. And the other, of course, diving deep into Archie Roach's 1990 album, Charcoal Lane. And no doubt many more incredible series to come, Bailey. So thank you for stopping by and for coming in twice. And we'll catch you next week. All right, you take care. And back again for a final time for today's episode, Andrew Mast is here to guide us through our Singled Out segment. Masty, so many singles and so little time this week. What are we looking at today? Yeah, the floodgates really opened this week and we've narrowed it down to four. Apologies to anyone we miss out. Uh, we're going to start with Hayden James and Hold Tight. Mm-hmm. 
it's alright I'll hold tight cause ooh, the rip tight will bring me back, bring me back to you It's alright, I'll hold tight cause ooh, the rip tight will bring me back, bring me back to you Sydney producer Hayden James has his second album due on April 8th. It will come three years after his debut set went top 10. Basically, James set out to create, and I'm quoting here, something energetic and super uplifting that could bring people together again. In other words, a post-lockdown pick-me-up, and he has succeeded. His other objective was to create a summer anthem, so it's big, bouncy, and bright, soaring vocals with the kind of hand-clap rhythm that can set a crowd off, Plus, there's lots of breakdowns. Oh, I do love a breakdown, Nasty. Obviously, a little bit different in this setting, but for me, Hold Tight was just straight up bliss. And I love with Hayden, he always manages to bring so much warmth and heart to his creations. Like for myself personally, I sometimes find it hard to connect with electronic or dance sometimes, but he just has such a knack to bring you into his world. And we get heavenly pianos and silken vocals and enough rhythmic grooves to get those shoulders shrugging against your will. I was definitely doing some of that listening to it. And he's got Coachella and some US shows on the card. So he's going to be riding high this year. And so he should be. And uh, I'm going to hand over to your expertise for our next one. What are we talking about? Oh, expertise is such high praise. I will try to do it justice. Um, it has been a really interesting and exciting couple of months for this band that we're talking about now. So Thornhill, obviously, they returned back in October with a stunning single called Casanova. And with that track came a really noticeable and really deliciously slick change in their visual aesthetic. But there was also a lot of a glow up in their sound as well. We had a lot of glitter and a lot of glam. But the Thorny Boys via Unified showcased some really enhanced songwriting chops coming through as well. And on this new single that we're talking about today called Archangel, we see a continuation of really oiled and animated ideas, both sonically and visually. So Thornhill have always been fan favourites, but... They're really embracing a new vein as a group and this track is further proof. We've got atmospheric hard rock. We've got cascading rhythmics and anyone who spied the video will also happily note some Buffy the Vampire Slayer inspo as well alongside Jacob wielding a Freddie Mercury ready mic stand and interestingly the song came to life after their guitarist had been immersing himself in media from the late 90s and early 2000s and that hit of nostalgia really kick-started this track instrumentally and proof in point that they are evolving and branching out a little bit the narrative process took a deviation from usual proceedings frontman jacob actually crafted the lyrics like a script and this song is actually an alternate take on icarus the man who flew too close to the sun famously that thornhill themselves are flying high but i see no danger of them burning out in fact the very opposite we are witnessing a really exciting trajectory here from an extremely immersive aussie band there are big things to come masty i would love to know what you thought well, what do you what do you reckon? I love that this was influenced by Buffy, and I love the guitarist has admitted that he went on a big nostalgia kick during lockdown, which is exactly what we were talking about earlier. And um, it, it, he was really driven by Buffy's theme music, and it probably explains why this is so meaty and moody. It's different again from their last single, and uh, which which you touched on. They've, you can see a real step up in what they're doing. But yeah, you know. Buffy. That's all I got to say. Say no more. But you had me at Buffy. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, now, we, we keep saying this, something completely different, but it really is. Corey Leg and what now? This one blasts out of the gates. Everything is there from the first millisecond. Kicking straight off with the ridiculously catchy chorus. There's the stomping beat, the hooky melody, uh, legs imploring vocal. And I am a sucker for a good steel guitar lick, and this is one of them. Now, this is my first encounter with Leg. Turns out I've got a lot of catching up to do. This is his third single from his upcoming third album. Uh, he's previously scored airplay on both the J's, triple and double, uh, across country radio, and he's had regular TV play on CMT. So uh, he's definitely, I, I feel like this could be the one that really cuts through uh, maybe beyond just the, the country playlist. But despite the song's uplifting vibe, it actually asks the question, what now, about how this country moves forward after Black Summer bushfires and the pandemic. And note too, there's been comparisons made to Paul Kelly with this guy. So keep an eye out. What did you think? Yeah, I, I read the same thing and you can see what they're talking about. Like, obviously, we've got the really Australian flavours coming through in it, but he's a storyteller and that's what I think is really engaging with this. Like, the song itself, when you listen to it, if you don't pay attention to the lyrics, it's just like a breath of fresh air sonically, but the really authentic and at times heart-wrenching lyrics is what really struck through to me as well and like you said I didn't realize how prolific he has been constantly like his star just continues to be on the rise and I think last year what I was really amazed by is that his previous track I don't know what I've got myself in for hit number two on the Australian country radio charts he beat the likes of Troy Cassadaly with this stuff like Troy's amazing obviously as well but it's just so exciting to see such an authentic and really young storyteller with this kind of flair I feel like yeah like you said it's taken me a long time to get here but wow it's going to be a big year yeah we're going full circle and back to club music how we started singled out this week we're going to end with the new one from Confidence Man called Feels Like a Different Thing. It is so much fun to hear the UK house sound of the 90s brought back so competently and so confidently, but I guess the latter clue was there in the name. Uh, it starts with a classic breakbeat before rolling into a, a piano house stormer. It's the kind of dance floor tune that can transport you to a summer festival, even if you are dancing to it on the stickiest carpet in the skankiest room in the dead of winter. Think K-Class with a touch of even America's finest delight. It's produced by electronic music master Ewan Pearson and there's not a note that is out of place on this cut. It is just so wonderfully arranged and produced. Check out the video. It's epic, filmed in Mad Max country around Cooper Petty. And there is an album due April 1. I, I think with the timing of the single, it's caught the end of our summer. I think it's probably time for the European summer. As Europe comes out of lockdown, this could be a real big blow up for them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I will never forget the bounce I heard when I first heard um, their song Boyfriend Repeat 
a few years back, but we are not in Kansas anymore with this. Like, feels like a different thing. Plunged me into a parallel universe where I'm simultaneously in like a late 80s, early 90s workout class, also in a club, and then also striding down a runway all at once. Like, somehow that visual is really concerning to me because I don't think I could pull that off at once. But it's such a slick showing. Total dance floor filler, pounding with sugar and neon. And bonus points for filming the music video. For that, they actually actually exchanged blowing up a car for a slab of beer. So how Australian is that? that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what a week of tunes across the board. And for anyone listening, you can listen to all of these incredible singles we've just looked at in full, as well as any other songs or artists we've featured today. They are living on our Press Play mixtape on Spotify. Head to our show notes or our Insta at pressplay.pod to learn more. Masty, it's been a pleasure. Always. Well, that's about it for Press Play today. A shout out as always to Andrew Mast and Steve Bell for joining me in their regular segments and also for jumping in to chat during our pop culture roundup as well. It's always a pleasure chatting with both these knowledgeable musical gents. And a big thank you to our guest reviewer, Sosafina, for joining Press Play once again this week. You can check out more of Sosafina's amazing work. She's an extremely busy lady in and around the music industry. But check out today's episode show notes to see what else she gets up to. And last but not least, a huge thank you and a congratulations to Haiku Hands who joined us as our guest artist today. And mostly congratulations because they finally got their hands on the vinyl for their amazing self-titled debut album. And Haiku Hands are also hitting the road imminently to celebrate with their We Got Vinyl tour. Head to our show notes to learn more. To catch up on any previous episodes of Press Play that you may have missed or to discover a new podcast, head to our website, euphony.com.au. While you're there, you'll also find Steve Bell's podcast, Rewind with Steve Bell. And my other podcast is also living there, The Green Room with Tiana Speeder, plus a bunch of other awesome content. Keep up to date with all things Press Play via our Instagram at pressplay.pod. And you can also check out our Spotify mixtape there as well, which features all the artists and songs from each episode. It has been awesome spending time with you today. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I do hope you found some brand new music to fall in love with this week. I know I have. Love music, press play. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next week. Press Play is a Euphony podcast, created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast, assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder, recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker, music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.